All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond binary. And my patron peeps, uh, hey patrons, good evening. I'm here to put you to sleep and you enabled me to do that. Thank you. And uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. It could be thoughts you're thinking about, you know, things on your mind. Uh, so, you know, things you're, I guess, yeah, things you're thinking about. Uh, feelings, like any emotions coming up for you, or physical sensations, changes in time or temperature or routine, uh, any inside or outside, you know, anything going on. Whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to help with that. What I'm going to do is I got a safe place here. As I like to say, I'm smoothing it, I'm patting it, I'm rubbing it down, and I'm saying safe place. It, just like I was a part of the East Coast family, but I'm a part of every, I'm coast to, to coast, uh, pole to pole. It, it, like, in, you know, whatever, you, you, whatever your longitude or latitude is, I'm coming to you with a safe place. Longitudinally and latitudinally. I like that. I haven't used these kind of words before on the podcast. Uh, and the way it's going to get there is I'm going to send it uh, across. The, I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. So they're both creaky and dulcet, which kind of means like sweet or, you know, pretty nice. Uh, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. I'm going to go off topic. And bend, you know, I'm going to bend, I'm going to be bending, my logic is circular or ovular. I guess it's not ovular. Here's a question I really don't know the answer to. Uh, Are there any ovular planets or planets only spheroids? Uh, Is an oval a spheroid? That's another one. I guess it would be a sphere. It'd be an oval, oval. What's an ovaloid? And you'd say, I don't know, is that some sort of new breakfast cereal? Oh, yeah, it's a, well, that was a failed breakfast cereal by Ovaltine. What's Ovaltine? Great question. I believe my parents used to drink it. I know the kid from A Christmas Story drank it. I don't know. I think it's just chocolate milk and I don't know what else. I do, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, maybe you should get some. Maybe I should. I don't know. Maybe. Has anybody, has anybody ever taken the ad for Maybelline and said maybe it's Ovaltine? And then said Ovaloid. Ovoid. I guess that's it. Spheroid. Ovoid. I think that's it. Ovaloid. The old Ovaloid. That was, a, that was like, a, yeah, that was that, that was the character on the... Um, what was it? What was the word? What was that drink? Ovaltine. The character on Ovaltine was the Ovaloid. Had a whole backstory. I'm not familiar with it though because it was before my time. Doesn't answer my question about. I mean, I'm, I'm I've seen uh, asteroids that are ov- like oval, ovalesque, or nearly ovular. Here's another possible like biography I could write. Almost an oval. An android story, the tales, tales across the, my tales across the universe being almost an oval. Uh, yeah, didn't, not, not selling that one either. So that's, that's, so, oh, what am I doing? Oh, going off topic. I just did that. Sorry about that. Uh, if you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, that does happen a lot, but if you're new, let me give you some information. Like it's close to, <laughs> Right up front, I mean, like 10, 12 minutes into the show. That's usually when I give it out anyway. But if you're new and you're doubtful or you're skeptical or you're disoriented already or maybe you're a little frowny-faced, you're not sure if you like this, that's totally understandable. And you're in good company because that's what almost every regular listener said when they first started listening to this show. 
the most common phrase is what in the heck that most listeners say when they listen to this podcast. So if you're doubtful or skeptical, totally legit, totally normal reaction. I wanted to acknowledge that. Also want to tell you, this is a podcast you don't really need to listen to. It's more listened to in an out-of-focus way or in a way where you could almost barely hear me. You just got to, like, get where I get to a mumble, at least at first. So you can listen to me whatever volume works. But just in reality, what I'm saying is don't pay me any mind. As my Nana always says, don't pay him any mind. So the podcast you don't need to listen to, one of the few podcasts you don't need to listen to. It's also a sleep podcast. It's not really here to put you to sleep. It's here to keep you company as you fall asleep. Uh, so a little bit different. <laughs> that uh, Yeah, I'm here to be your bedside, your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar bud, your boar bestie, your boar sib, your boar bra, whatever it is. Uh, your friend in the deep dark night, really. That's what I hope to. So podcasts you don't need to listen to, but there's no pressure to fall asleep. That's also why episodes are about an hour, is to give you plenty of time to drift off. So you have plenty of time to fall asleep, and I'll be here till the very end. If you can't sleep, I make this show just as much for you, or if you need to listen to it during the day, I'm here. These episodes are complete. They're also completely full of nonsense, uh, but they are complete. So, yeah, so I, I just want you to know that. Uh, so, podcast you only listen to, no pressure to fall asleep. But okay, structure is the other thing I'm supposed to cover. So, this podcast is also a little bit different structurally. So, the show starts off with a, a greeting. Then there's business. That's how we're able to bring you this podcast free twice a week. So, I appreciate more of the regular listeners. If you're new, not important. Uh, and then there's an intro. So some people, the business throws off and then new listeners, and then most new listeners get thrown off by the intro because the intro is normally very efficient into the point. Mine is not because it's one, because it's a sleep podcast. Uh, and two, it's just what has worked for the audience over the years. Uh, so the intro is really me talking about the podcast and trying to introduce it for somewhere somewhere around 6 minutes to 20 minutes. So so anywhere between minute 4 and minute 8 uh, to minute 12 to minute 22, I'm doing the intro. Uh, so why, you might ask, why do you just ramble on and on for 12 to 18 to 20 to 17 to 19 to 13 to 14 to 15 minutes about the in, introducing the podcast i said that's a great question especially if you're new totally natural to wonder that and my i'm tempted when you say why to say tell them that's human nature it's just a scoot's nature to go off topic so that's one reason why it's so long uh, but the real reason is because it eases you into bedtime the whole idea is sleep with me or the difference between sleep with me and a lot of other stuff is that uh some stuff is more solution-based, uh, and maybe that's, you know, sh a shiny, fancy way of saying it works real darn good, or that it's the best. And I'd say sleep with me is not the best. It's just I'm not striving to be the best in anything. I'm just striving to be here on a regular basis and be pretty darn not bad. And so, the, the But the whole idea of the intro is it eases you into bedtime. It gives you a long landing strip. Uh, because I find that stuff that's supposed to work, that keeps me up longer, in my in my opinion. So that's why this show's different than that. Because I've found that when something's supposed to work or it's supposed to work fast, and then the pressure's on me as the listener. And I say, well, I don't know what my spirit animal is, and now i got to take it on a journey. I'm still trying to think of what my spirit animal is. Or I can't, like, uh, I can't really pay attention and listen along. Or whatever it is. You, you know what I'm saying. So sleep with me, or the intro, it's just it, 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 it's just something to kind of barely listen to. But the whole idea is that for regular listeners, uh, the majority of them, well, a lot of people listen during the day now to, to relax to the intros. But then a lot of listeners start it before they get into bed, as they're getting ready for bed. Or once they're in bed, getting comfortable so that it's just here to, while you wind down to ease you into bedtime. I think I use that over and over again because that's really my goal. 
now, the next thing you might want to know is, well, why would I do it? Or why do I make this sleep podcast? And I said, well, because I've been there and I know how it feels in the deep, dark night, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. I've had it all. Trouble getting back to sleep, like, fall, you know, the old falling asleep for five minutes and waking back up like you slept eight hours. Uh, not that I'm not that I'm irritated with that one, but I am. So I've been there and I know how it feels. And the other thing is, I think that I really, truly believe that you deserve a good night's sleep. And I, I think that's important. That's what I was going to say. It's important for you to know that, that that's really what I feel in my heart is that you deserve a place to respite. And while I can't provide that for everybody, I hope I can provide it for you. I mean, the, the downside is this podcast just doesn't work for everybody. Probably doesn't even work for a majority of the people that listen. It just works for the people it works for. And I wish it worked for everybody because I, I, you deserve a good night's sleep and your life will be a little bit better or a lot bit better if you get the rest you deserve. Um, so I don't know. Those are the reasons why I make the show. And uh, so, so I don't know. What, 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 so I went off topic. I was talking about uh, ovoids, ovaltine. Then something else came up in the middle of that, some part of the intro, but I already forgot what those other things were. And then at the beginning, I was thinking about, what did I say? And I, oh, I said, good. I put the, I don't put the, I put the, they say good night. And I forgot. I, I said, I don't put the good in night. Uh, I don't put the nigh in night, though, either. Good night, uh, ladies. Welcome. I don't know. I thought I, I thought I said something witty at the beginning, but I already forgot what it was. But, yeah, you will notice as you listen to the show that my logic is ovular or ovoid. I guess it is ovoid. Spheroid, ovoid. Like, a, would it be an octoid, an eight-sided oid? How many oids did an oid, 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 if an oid, oid, could oid, oid? Uh, it's, never been a, it's never been asked before. It should have, though. Oh, I think I thought of some words I never used on the podcast. I guess somebody will have to remind me what those words uh, were. Speaking of w- word, like uh, space, though, tonight we'll be talking about TNG. Oh, I was supposed to talk about the structure of the show. And then I went off topic. So, yeah, the show starts off with the greeting business intro. Then there's business. That's just kind of structure of podcasting. Then there's a story. Tonight will be a recap of an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, like uh, recommended by my friend Lauren at uh, This Is Love podcast and another famous podcast uh, that she makes with Phoebe. Uh, so the, like, uh, I'm excited to talk about that episode, but you might say, well, I don't watch Star Trek TNG or I do watch. And I say, don't worry. It'll be, I say, don't worry. This will be the most, uh, incom- it'll be an incomprehensible recap of, uh, of an episode where you say, was that a fairy tale? That's a TV show. So I want you to know that let's go back though, before I close out this intro. So Octoid, I'm trying to think of like, a so there's a, a spheroid means a sphere, rectoid. So yeah, there's that other roid I just thought of. And that's why I'm laughing. So rect, like, because I said rectoid, that sounds, why do they call it the other thing? They should call it a rectoid. It'd be very accurate. Squaroid. That doesn't sound like something. Squore, because it'd be so hard to say. Squor, like, squored, squoroid. That'd be a squirrel. A squirrel, like an oid, that's a squirrel. Spheroid. What's the difference between a sphere and a spheroid? Is it just really big, like interplanetary size? I wish I had data here to explain to me that. Like, it just sounds like inefficient. You say, well, that planet's a sphere. So, well, I guess that's hard to say. I'm sorry, did you say it's here? No, no, it's a sphere, my dear. And you say, okay, Riker, keep it to yourself, uh... And you say, no, spheroid. You say, okay, thanks for adding that oid in there. It helps clarify that you weren't saying it's here. And you say, but, but you say, how, how, you see any rectoids out there? Rectoid, octoid. 
Octoid may be a, like a, like in a video game. If if anybody's making a video game, put an Octoid in there. It could be either a big boss or like a like a like a like a, a, a type of being. Quadroid. That's that would be a robot. That would be a droid. That's the first out of all the oids. That's the first droid. Quadroid. You say, well, I can, you know, I can do it to the power of four. After that, I'm useless. And what other ones we got? Octoid. I don't know any of the, I wish I had more. I wish my geometry vocabulary was stronger because we could have a field day with this. Does it, does any juggler say that they juggle, they say, well, I don't juggle balls. I juggle spheroids and octoids and, uh, erectoid. I didn't mean, that sounded funny just because I said, uh, it, like, there was an E before the rectoid. I didn't realize that that would, uh, if you need a laugh later, like you're lying in bed and you're guffawing, it's because you're thinking of the, when the, the juggler said, and, uh, yeah, and, 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 and erectoid, uh, you say, I don't know what that means, but it sounds very funny, uh. Yeah, so I could see someone juggling. They say, well, the only person could juggle that is someone that has a universal pot, you know. And I said, well, okay, great. I'm sure there's jugglers in the divine realms. There's probably jugglers. Somebody's got to entertain them. But I'm not really here to entertain you. I'm here to take your mind off stuff, which I think that experiment probably proved that uh, this podcast takes your mind off stuff, keeps you company as you drift off. Uh, it doesn't work for everybody, but the majority, this is like hundreds of thousands of people have said, give it a few tries before you give up on it. Uh, because that just sounds, it sounds so mediocre, mediocroid. It's a scooter. What, what award did you, I heard you won a big award. Yep. I won the mediocroid. Uh, it was given to me by Dan Aykroyd for my cheap rhyming schemes. Uh, yeah, and first winner of the international mediocroid for like, uh, achievements in mediocrity. Yeah. But yeah, so really, I'm just here to keep you company as you drift off. I really appreciate you checking the show out. I'm glad you're here. I work very hard at your internet drive and I want to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of ways we're able to bring you this podcast uh, free on a regular basis. All right, everybody, we're talking about a season one, episode 25 of Star Trek The Next Generation. We'll always have Paris. And this episode's going to start at 41697.9. Opens with the captain's log that told us that fact. Uh, we'll always have Paris. They're en route for, uh, where are they going? So, Sonora 8, I believe. Uh, let me see. Where are you going? Where are you? Sonora, Sonora, Saranona, Sorona. Oh, yeah, my Sharona. Oh, yeah, I have it here in my notes. Sorona 8, uh, which is uh, a shore leave, something about luxury. Looking forward, the whole crew's looking forward to some diversions. On a personal note, uh, oh, I've allowed myself the luxury of a head start. At first, I thought this was on the holodeck, which I still don't know if it is or it isn't, but uh, because I thought, so it's a Jean-Luc fencing with someone. Uh, So at first, I thought it was a holodeck. On the second or third watch, uh, I realized uh, that it may be a human. Well, according to the, the thing, it's Lieutenant Dean. And Lieutenant Dean is a very sweaty person. I mean, he's working hard uh, uh, going against Jean-Luc. Uh, and Jean-Luc sweats, but not as much as Lieutenant Dean. Lieutenant Dean looks like someone famous, but uh, the actor, like, it's not who we think it is. I said, who is that? It's like somebody that's on shows and stuff. Uh, but apparently it isn't. Uh, and then, you know, they say on guard. And then, the, the, like, uh, first Lieutenant Dean gets the upper hand on uh, Jean-Luc. This is, yeah, and that's where you see he's sweating much more. Uh, then Jean-Luc gets a point. He says, yeah, that was like the act of a, uh, a desperate man. And, you know, sometimes these things get planted, the themes get planted in the episode for us a little bit. Uh, so that makes it interesting. Right now they're going, a lot of fencing. And, and uh, what do you call that? Uh, 
it's uh, interesting suits they're wearing. I mean, I know they're protective, uh, uh, but they look very, they're not exact. They're pretty funny. My daughter was cracking up watching it. Yeah, so Jean-Luc just got the upper hand on Lieutenant Dean. He says, yeah, what was that move? The uh, interesting move, sir. What do you call it? Uh, what technique? The technique of a desperate man. Then they go to salute one another, but uh, it repeats. And he says, what technique was that? The technique of a desperate man. Then Dean says, that what happened there? And Picard uh, walks off. Uh, that's when I thought it was still, um, he calls Riker. He says, something unusual going up there? Riker says, yeah, some kind of loop, boss. Everything repeated itself. Uh, uh, yeah, so did, and then I said, did he close it with, uh, is there an actual fencing room on the ship? Uh, then they go to the bridge. Picard's got a maroon towel that he brought with him to DC. I'd say Lieutenant Dean needs like three or four towels. Uh, Data says it was a bit like deja vu, or somebody says that. Computers are affected, though, too, so it was not an illusion. That's what Data says. It occurred in real time. Riker says, call everybody in the sector, see if it happened to everybody else. Uh, uh, then the Pagos miners sending out transmission. They put it on uh, Dr. Paul Mannheim. Yeah, Picard's drying off his sweat, but you could tell he's curious. He says, hey, come get us. Uh, we need some uh, backup down here. Uh, coordinates are 667 uh, But But like, we're looking at the window, bio 7075. Automated single, sing, signal, can't contact them, Worf says. And he says, yeah, this is, it's re- repetitive. LaForge, get over there. No problem. Aye, sir. Uh, Captain, let's figure out just you know if these two things are related. Here it says Paul Mannheim. Yeah, that rings a bell. Fifteen years ago, he was working on experiments, nonlinear time. Maybe he got successful. Warp eight, I sir. Warp eight. Engage, and they engage. And the episode opens. Uh, then. Then we're still back on the bridge in real time, and uh, Picard's bouncing his legs, sitting on the bridge. His legs are crossed, uh, and we get some exposition. Riker says, sir, i never heard of this Paul Mannheim. Uh, and you, Picard goes, well, Mr. Data, why don't you f- fill us in, dude, because you're, like, uh, good at that. I guess Wesley's already at the Academy. Uh, and uh, what does Data say? Never heard Paul, Mr. Data. Uh, so, respected scientist, visionary, uh, several time related theories regarding time and gravity, intriguing, but never got wide acceptance. Much like my father, Data said, didn't say. Then Picard starts filling it in. He's like slapping his uh, towel in this weird way, which shows that he's something's on his mind. He says, yeah, a team of scientists, Mannheim, they went off to expand the research. Troy's watching him, really good acting if you watch her in the background. Did you know him? Picard says, well, I knew of him in Paris. Uh, he was a teacher. Uh, I didn't have the pleasure of m- meeting him, but, oh, by the way, i got to go change my clothes real quick. Uh, tell me when we get there and find out if anybody else felt that distortion, because I'm feeling the distortion right now. And then Troy says, Captain, could we talk for a second? And he says, yeah. And she goes, probably in private. He goes, no, no, not necessary. She goes, well, you, you know, kind of uh, uh, tripped out when they said Mannheim, intense emotion. He goes, yeah, get to the point. She goes, well, personal, not, not like I could tell it's personal. I don't want to get, you know, but unresolved strong emotion can affect a judgment. Garrett goes, well, the elevator's here. Thanks for your concern. And she goes, well, I'm the ship's counselor. I could help. Uh, he goes, well, what do you think? She says, yeah, confronting deep issues is not easy for you. You kind of suppress things. Uh, You've got a few hours to figure all this out, though. Maybe you should analyze your feelings. Use this time till we get there. Put them in perspective, maybe. He goes, thank you, counselor. I'll let you know if I need any other help. 
Then we have this awful Troy face for about four seconds. Uh, Picard puts his fencing stuff away, cleans off his sword even, or his foil. Oh, he pauses and uh, halfway through it. Now, our friend Lauren uh, recommended this episode because it shows Picard's softer side. And yeah, when he's putting away his like foil, it really, I didn't, I missed that scene before. And then he starts to head to the bridge. He says, belay that. Takes a deep breath. Uh, how long we got, computer, till Pagos Minor? Two hours and nine minutes. And he says, okay, holodeck three then in that case. And holodeck three, uh, he goes up there. He says, uh, this is Picard, uh, new, new, whatever. Or they say, don't worry, nobody's on here. He goes, Paris, Cafe des Artistes, as it appeared 22 years ago. Uh, and he puts his hands to his face. He says, April the 9th, 1500 hours, a.k.a. 3 p.m., warm spring day. And the computer does that. There's birds. There's someone playing a bong harp. I'm not even kidding. It's just some sort of tubular uh, musical instrument. There's somebody FaceTiming. Uh, it's a cafe accordion. The bong harp makes accordion music, which I looked up. Uh, uh, due to FaceTiming with screen, this is the first time. Oh, the, the maitre d' says, first time in Paris. Picard goes, heck, heck no. Looks like there's cherry or apple blossoms. Uh, get, welcome to Cafe des Artistes. Uh, and then he says, uh, this way. Picard goes, no, 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 that's not how I work. I advocate for my needs. I don't want to sit at this table. I'd like to sit at that one. He goes, oh, sure. We're here to please you. Always. Uh, Picard, instead of sitting down, he walks over to the balcony and really soaks it in. We see uh, the um, futuristic Paris, Eiffel Tower, been away for too long, Picard says. He goes, how about some wine and cheese? Since this is a cafe, Picard goes, well, I'm not hungry, even though it's a cafe. I'm here for the view. The guy goes, perhaps hunger is not what is on the menu. Or perhaps you hunger for what is not on the menu. And Picard goes, perhaps not. Uh, many years ago, I had a rendezvous set up here. And the guy goes, so that's what the holodeck's for, actually. Uh, he goes, right here at that very table. And he goes, your young lady, she did not come? And Picard goes, I don't know. I imagined she came here, but uh, alas, uh, he goes, and the waiter, he goes, oh, you did not. And Picard nods, he says, ah, have a seat, even if you're not going to order anything, uh, he goes, well, I'll bring you something special, though, even though you don't want anything, because we got to charge you, but, you know, I need to. Then Picard starts, like, listening in on another, like, a, two two women having a conversation. Uh, like, uh, um, Picard listens in, you know, there was one of the women's waiting for someone. Picard's really staring, and she goes, what do you, she goes, do you know, can I help you? Do you know, we know each other? He goes, no. She goes, do I remind you of somebody? What are you staring at? He goes, no, but not too aggressive. She's really curious. She goes, well, kind of you do actually remind me of someone. And she says, well, he's not coming. Uh, what did I do to drive him away? And Picard goes, maybe nothing. Uh, maybe he had no choice. So this is therapeutic. Maybe he was afraid. She goes, what? Of what? Of me? He goes, being connected. Rooted. And he goes, perhaps if he's as young as you are, he doesn't know what, exactly what he wants to do. But he says, maybe, because even Picard's unsure. And she kind of shakes her head. And then Picard says, enough of this self-indulgence. Exit. Uh, I forgot to ask like when he got it dressed, because he's dressed it. But then I said, yeah, because he was in his outfit before. Uh, then we go back uh, to data. What do we go back to the bridge? He goes back to work now. Uh, and, uh, they go, yeah, Captain, Freighter, other ones, uh, had the same time loop, same time distortion, like a hiccup. Captain Lalo says that. Picard goes, hiccup, uh, Data says, incorrect analogy. How so? Hiccup is, uh, you know, when you hiccup, uh, he goes, this body function would be best represented by a, and then Picard goes, I don't want to know, Data. 
He goes, what do you know about the Mannheim projects? Uh, he goes, data says the same thing, gravity experiments. Then Jordy says, we're here, uh, but there's nothing here. And then Worf goes, new co- it was a relay, now new coordinates, uh, 648, 13.237, 49.49.9. Uh, Jordy says, that's remote, Vandor system, totally out there. Binary star system, B-class giant with a pulsar. And Picard goes, let's go, let's do it. Uh, Riker says, what's this so hard to find, uh, A? Uh, then, uh, oh, also Data and some, uh, Data, the next scene, Data and another dude change seats. Uh, uh, Van, Van Dor 4 is around, you know, you know something, standard orbit. Picard says, uh, hailing, view screen on, one small planet that's got a force field. And, uh, they say, okay, is it penetrable? No, let's hail them. Uh, uh, hailing frequencies open. He says, this is the captain. Oh boy. Captain almost says Picard. Data and Jordy give each other a look like WTF. He goes, captain of the enterprise. Where are you? There's a woman's voice. Can you help us out? Uh, you know, just the two of us down here. My husband's sound asleep. Uh, I say lock on it. No force field can't let us. Uh, only audio. Picard says you got to turn off your force field. All right, uh, so we can help you. Uh, shut it down. And he says, "Okay, I'll try." Uh, force fields off. Uh, Picard claps. Great. So lock on. Send them to sick bay. Uh, Crusher, get ready. And they say, that's Robbie. And he goes, uh, number one, Data, come with me. Uh, then they go back. Uh, they go. They get on the, the turbo lift. Uh, a woman and, and a guy in like a smock, like a jacket on backwards. Uh, they beam into the uh, med bay and Dr. Crusher and another person are there to help. Uh, they get right to work because they see that his he, his smock is you know he can't unbutton we can't get the zip the zippers stuck you know and it's reversed. Uh, and they say, "Sarah, will, will you get the zipper unstuck?" She goes, "It's really stuck." Like uh, and Picard, Riker, and Data Shop. Picard just like speechless. Uh, uh, a woman turns and she says, "Jean Luc." Uh, Beverly turns when she says that. She says, "I thought I knew that voice." Dade and Riker share a look. Guard uh, goes, uh, hello. She goes, I should have known it was you. Uh, who else would have came to my rescue? Riker and Data share another look. Data's eyebrows go up, uh, and we go to commercial. Uh, we come back. Riker and Data get introduced. Riker shakes her hand. Data does not. They just nod. Janice Mannheim. Uh, pleasure, Riker says. Uh, I got some questions for you. And she says, I hope I could help. Um, he goes, let's go in somebody's office. Uh, we'll just sit down in here. Riker sits down at their desk. Uh, and he goes, what happened to everybody? He goes, well, something down there a couple of weeks ago, everybody took off. Uh, and I don't even know because I wasn't working there. And a lot of brilliant people, they left, uh, uh, left their jobs. She goes, do you know the nature? She goes, well, Paul loves time. Uh, doesn't think it's immutable any more than space is immutable. And over the last decade, he believed there's uh, infinite dimensions and we're only in one of them. And the only reason we're here is because of time. And if we could figure that out, we could open up the windows. Uh, other dimensions, Riker says, oh, okay. She goes, what have you been having something happen up here? And he goes, yeah. This is light years of effect from your lab. Uh, and she goes, no wonder he like zipped up his smock so fast it got the zipper caught. Uh, they say, why are you on Vandor? She goes, I don't know. Paul would know, but he, you know, because his revert, his jacket's on backwards, zipped up like a smock. He can't talk because the collar's in his mouth. And then they're trying to get more information out of her. You know, about gravity, what he was up to, that he was close to his theories. Uh, 
Also, data has to stand the whole time. Picard stands for a little while and sits down, but data has to stand up the whole time. I didn't know if that was comfortable or uncomfortable for him. And you see, geez, yeah, he took a lot of precautions, so he could have, uh, before he put, maybe, I mean, of course, if he has a smock on, that's by definition a precaution. And, you know, that, uh, you know, you don't want to spill any paint on yourself, uh. And he goes, but you weren't wearing a smock. And she goes, no, no, I don't. Well, kind of this is like a smock that I'm wearing. But usually I don't go in the lab that he's working in his, his salon. But he was getting cl- more close. He's trying to paint paintings of time and understand infinite dimensions with paint. And then Picard stands. Data had already left the room, apparently. Uh, she goes, I didn't think we'd meet up like this. Uh, and then Beverly rolls in. She goes, you've done so well. Miss, you got a starship out in the galaxies. Beverly's like, what? Uh, everything you dreamed of, huh, sweetums? Greg goes, well, not everything. Not everything works out as you hoped. Uh, he goes, anyway, I got to send a team down there. And she goes, it's protected, uh, you know, to keep it, you know, keep people out of his paints and, you know, dust. And, unless you have smocks. Uh, certified smocks. Then Beverly interrupts. She says, hey, I got to ask you some questions about, uh, you know, your husband and stuff, uh, if you'll excuse us. And she kicks, kick, kick, kisses John Luke's cheek. Everyone gives a look. Data has a smirk on his face. Uh, and Picard goes, yeah, we're old friends. And Beverly goes, duh. Uh, she goes, I don't know how we're going to, she goes, I think there's some sort of cosmic web, uh, uh, keeping this smock on, I can't get it off. Uh, it's some sort of multi-dimensional z- zipper t- uh, twist, and we can't even get the the collar out of his front of you know he he knows he has access to. So he's breathing fine, but we can't communicate with him. Uh, then, 1905, what happened? Are we at 1905? I guess let's see. That must have been when they gave that silly look. Uh, let's go back and just see. 1905, uh, him and Riker, oh, they look at something in the wall. Yeah, that was strange. Uh, Beverly rolls up. That was awkward. I put, uh, nothing works as you happen. Can't get in the lab without smocks. Uh, thank you. And a kiss goodbye. And, uh, then, uh, uh, yeah, I get it. Then Riker, Data, and Jean-Luc get on the turbo lift and they have like a back to the future moment. Uh, as they're talking about the theories of Mannheim and painting and time and space, and how are we going to figure it out? Then, like a day, like there's a time loop uh, where they see themselves. It doesn't go by the back to future rules clearly because uh, they see a, a version of uh, Data, Jean Luc, and Riker behind behind them in time and space. And Data says that's the Mannheim effect. It's becoming more pronounced. Uh, this is where we started. If we are us, oh, we're us, sir, but also they are us. So indeed, we are both us at different points in the same time continuum. And it's funny, then there's like a little joke because the door opens and they all look in like, huh, anybody out there or anybody on there? What the heck? So that was funny. Then we're in the ready room, fish tank, Riker and Data, and Picard talking about the planet, second lab. It's a studio, actually. There is another studio. Uh, we think we can bring our own smocks, uh, but there's a lot of power down there. They got solar power and geothermal, and we got to figure out uh, maybe something like that's causing the time loop. Uh, also, they're harnessing the energy of the pulsar. But we say we we don't we got to go down there. Riker says uh, Mannheim can't talk. Uh, maybe he's got notes. Also, to answer that question, because his smock is so tight on his arms, he can't write notes at this time. Uh, and they say, okay, well, maybe the like everything else is off down there. And they, Picard says, okay, get going. So they walk off. Picard stays and thinks for a few seconds. Uh, then they go to go, go down there. Well, it comes down to this. I like to that line. Uh, but Worf, Riker, and Data try to scan out, uh, but they're losing integrity at the landing point. Uh, so Chief uh, Herbert tries to bring them back, uh, 
There's an ad while he's trying to bring him back. Uh, he's very Matthew Perry. Like, he looks a lot like Matthew. He says there's some kind of bouncing effect going on. And they get back, and they're like, thanks, man. He goes, you're lucky you made it back. Worf cycles in even a few seconds after they did, uh, which was weird. Uh, delayed arrival for Worf. Then Mannheim is able, is able to get his collar down. But he's, like, so dramatic, like, very uh, over-the-top, uh, like like an artist in a movie. He's just talking nonsense or like a sleep podcaster. His eyes open very suddenly because uh, he, he was sleeping. And then he, like, also the, the other, Beverly's assistant, he was on his phone, like, texting somebody. He goes, oh, boy, that guy woke up. I should have been paying attention. And he goes, I don't even remember what happened. He goes, uh, goes, you know, remember? He goes, I, he goes, remember those new paints I got? Uh, and then Beverly comes in. She goes, and Paul's like, uh, uh, he's like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and he says, it's changing time, space, my views. Uh, I'm phasing in and out. And they go, no, you're not. He goes, I've been to the other side. I touched another dimension. And uh, F L A S H B A C K from the you know one you know from magical uh, he's full of silly syllabin is what he is. Uh, my mind is floating between two places, difficult to know which is which. So he's still in a silly syllabin place. Then uh, Picard rolls up. Hey, Mannheim, and he goes, "You the same one?" And and his wife nods. He goes, "She told me about you, but not too much. I didn't know, you know, not everything. Thank goodness." Picard goes, "It's not good down there." And he goes, "We have." And the Picard goes, "We got to stop it." He goes, "I can't even think straight, man." And they go, "Doctor, this is Data. Can you just tell him what's going on? He'll be able to handle it." Data goes, "I know all your theories, time, gravity." Guy goes, how's that possible? It's hilarious. It's not supposed to be a hilarious scene, but there's just something about the way he's he's like on. He's just having a bad like journey, if you know what I mean. And uh, so it is kind of hilarious. Uh, and then he's trying to talk to Data. Yeah, he says, "How is that even possible?" His voice. Uh, I'm not even fully versed in all my theories. Data goes, "I'm an android." That totally blows the dude's mind. Uh, he's like, and what? How's that possible, man? Whoa, boy. Hush, my mellow. He goes on a Starfleet vessel? Yeah, just I'm special. Only one. Picard backs him up. He goes, your knowledge is useless. Uh, he goes, most of my theories are obsolete. Data goes, let me lay this on you, man. Dynamic energy source? He goes, oh, you get it, man. And he goes, center of the planetoid, we got to get in there. Paint your way inside, Data. Data goes, okay. And he goes, pulsar energy, planetoid energy, opened a crack in the window. He goes, remember that TV show? Just like that, crack into another dimension. And then they talk about the, he goes, wait a second, this isn't confined. And Data goes, no, several thousand light years out. And he goes, you got to shut this down, man. He goes, it is silly. He goes, this is a cosmic, silly, 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 silly time. Guard goes, how do we get in there? Where, where do we get some smocks? He goes, oh, I got some smocks hidden. I'll tell you where they're hidden. And you can get those, and then you can go into the studio as long as you have a smock. And then he, like, uh, he takes a breaky poo. Like, uh, I think he saw, like, a pink elephant floating. Then we have Data, uh, Worf, Riker, and Picard talk, and Data says, okay, well, we got to get predict the time, you know, timing of these incidents. Uh, we got to seal up that dimension because before it gets too big and we can't, none of us can perceive reality. He goes, Worf, make sure those, like, see if you can make sure those uh, smocks are ready and working. The integrity of the smocks is everything. And then uh, Janice comes in, and they say, oh, boy, Janice Mannheim. And she goes, can I have the room? Picard goes, oh, yeah. Everybody leaves. She smiles. 
hands behind her back. Uh, she goes, I knew you wouldn't come to me. And he goes, not under these circumstances. Uh-uh. She goes, we got unfinished business, Jean-Luc. And they stand on opposite sides of the room. He goes, yeah, we do. She goes, why didn't you meet me that last day in Paris? Uh, Picard sighs, thinks. He goes, yeah, I was afraid. And she goes, I didn't want this. Uh, he goes, what? She goes, I don't want the truth. Uh, make something up. Uh, a soft, painless one. And Picard goes, oh, I got the days mixed up, a Tuesday and Wednesday. Or I went to the Cafe Moulin, said the artiste. Uh, she goes, or was it raining and you couldn't find a cab? And he goes, uh-huh. This is advanced level subtext for this. I love this. Uh, and then she goes, by the way, I waited all day. It was raining. Rained the rest of the week. And she goes, even went to Starfleet headquarters to find you, and you were already shipped out. And she goes, come on, Jean-Luc. Uh, time to spill the beans. What happened? Here, Tell me the truth now. And he goes, it was fear, fear of seeing you, losing my resolve. Uh, fear of staying, this is losing myself. Um, walking, fear that neither of these choices was right. Uh, and either would have... And she goes, no, day didn't go by. I went in and looked up at the sky and wonder, wow, wow, wonder why my Jean-Luc went away. Puts his fingers to his lips. Uh, he says, each time I returned to Earth, uh, my thoughts were filled with you. She goes, I thought a lot of this over the years. And she goes, you're leaving out your greatest fear. The real reason you left. Uh, and he goes, what's that? Uh, and she goes, that life with me would have made you ordinary. And actually, this actually pays off with Paul at the end. Not in the most uh, clear or best way, but of her choices. And Picard laughs uh, really heartily. Says, geez, you're wonderful. You know me better than myself. Uh, you could see right through me. And there's like music. Uh, he goes, yeah, am I that transparent? She goes, only to me. Uh, then it goes back to an ad. We see the ship, like an asteroid, and the stars. Uh, we're back in the med bay. Beverly's working hard. Paul's, like, snoring. He's, like, out cold. She actually pets his head to kind of comfort him when he's, like, having a bad dream. She goes, geez, I wish I could talk to you, man, or talk some sense. You're just, like, uh, not making any sense, uh... Yeah, she's very nice. He's like, uh, kind of like a dog when it can't sleep. And like, make, Co makes those kind of noises. Deanna rolls in. She says, Deanna, what's up? She goes, yeah, I wanted to check on him. And she goes, no changes. Nothing I do just so, so makes a difference for anybody around here. Subtext city. And she goes, is that why you're here? She doesn't even turn around. She has her back to Deanna. And Deanna says, well, I thought I was the empath. Uh, then they go into her office. They should have, like, a, like a couple, uh, you know, but she's working. She goes, are you really okay? She goes, what do you mean? And she goes, this is like, uh, this guy's, you know, like, gaga goo balls. Uh, and she goes, I don't want to talk about the other stuff, if you please. And she goes, Captain McCarty, she goes, I can't compete with the past, okay? No one could. And Deanna goes, well, she's a real person, by the way. And uh, Beverly says, well, he sees the person from the past, and I got to get back to work. And then they have, like, a, Deanna takes a big breath for a few seconds. Uh, then we're back on the bridge. Data's figuring out the next time distortion. Uh, Crusher says, Mannheim's awake, wants to talk to you, Jean-Luc. Uh, so Picard goes down there and he's like, just coming out. He's a little bit groggy and Picard goes, what's up, man? And he goes, uh, I'm not sure I gave you, I gave you all the info. I don't even really know where this, I'm not positive. I know where the smocks are anymore. So Picard goes, okay. And he goes, you really wanted to tell you about Janice. Also, he still has a backwards shirt on, a smock on. Still haven't been able to get that off. Uh, 
He goes, every shirt in this universe is going to be reversed, uh, and everybody will be stuck with stuck zippers if we don't get to the bottom of this. Ambergard goes, okay, we'll figure this out. Let me just take a deep breath. Uh, and then he says, take care of, make sure my wife doesn't have a reverse shirt smock stuck with a zipper if you can. They haven't, you know. It's been a lot of, not a lot of ups and mostly, you know, like a roller coaster with me. You know, I'm too much of an artist. Uh, uh, don't deserve her kind of thing. She deserves better than me, like, a, you know, Starfleet captain type. Ricard says, you underestimate her. I know because I once did. And so then Picard walks off. And Mannheim slowly lays his head down. Then Picard and Data are in the hall. Data's talking still about the time distortions and reprise and uh, specific points of time. Where we are, where we were, where we, where we will be. Picard goes, Data, I want you to do a solo, man, because of the smock situation. I don't want to send anybody else. He goes, yeah, it's reasonable. I'm a machine indispensable. Picard goes, indispensable. That's not why I'm sending you. I'm sending you because you can control things uh, in the efforts of a time distortion. Data goes, yeah, that's tr- true. I see time as a constant. You see it as flexible, you humans. And see expression, time flies when you're having fun. Which until to, 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 till to now always confused me. And Picard says, I want you to put a stitch in time, which also gets paid off at the end of the episode. Also thought that would be a good Data After Dark novel, in a way, team of one. Uh, or, you know, like uh, TNG, TNG After Midnight, in a way, team of one. So Data says, I'll go immediately. Good work, Data. Uh, Jordy's there to help uh, the other dude, Matthew Perry looking dude, to do it right because he didn't do it right last time. Uh, plus, Data's his best friend. Data energizes out. Uh, he ends up in what looks like a bank lobby with uh, ATMs. And then, right out of like a uh, Mannheim Fish's song, A Sin of a Mule starts playing, like where it goes, I hate laser beams. And Data has to dance to the music. Uh, and, oh, yeah, Mannheim wakes up. He goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the laser beams and the fish music, which kind of makes you, uh, you know, goes along with the, the you know, the distortions. Uh, and Data goes, even the music is distorted down here. And then Mannheim says, wait till you get to the black lights, man. It have a whole black light room next. Uh, so Data goes into the black, there's like these fluorescent tube, black light tubes. Data has to go through those, and he's in this black light Dayglo room. And he's like totally speechless and uh, like, holy cow, uh, this actually looks pretty cool. And then there's a commercial, and then then after the ad break, uh, uh, Data works his way into the lab. Also, I noticed data types with, I think, his left hand. Let me confirm that up here. Uh, and he's watching the, the like, the, there's this thing that sprays paint out, which Mannheim did not really tell us about. That's why you need a smock. So data puts on a smock, uh, and it's it's like a spinner squirting paint everywhere. So data has to figure that out. He goes, yeah, uh, Picard goes, keep it on speaker, all right? Data goes, sure, boss. And he goes, this is some sort of uh, instrument, music, lights, fog machine, spinning paint. Uh, he goes, I got to get a countdown to see when the next time it all kicks on at the same to distort time. He goes, okay, about uh, one minute, 30 seconds. So uh, they go, what's next, Data? He goes, well, I got to collect the paint, uh, a specific amount of antimatter to realign the thing so it's not spinning and spraying the paint around theoretically but i don't know if that'll actually work so then he opens up the antimatter with that was with his right hand though i didn't look at the other one he gets he uses this clamper thing to get out some antimatter which uh, has an orange light that turns and then a red light that goes on when you have it clamped uh 
He goes, I got to do this exactly the right moment, right when they say, son of a mule, watch out where you go. Take your laser beams away. So, Jordy, I need a countdown. Because I got the antimatter moving towards the opening at the end of the lab. Because I got a few seconds here. Uh, Jordy, countdown on my mark. Uh, gets close. Uh, then the paint thing starts spinning up. The fog machine starts. Then there's like three datas. Uh, as Jordy's counting down and it's echoing. So you can't tell which data's which, or they go, Captain, there's three of us, and they're all talking to one another. Which one of us is supposed to do it, man? And data goes, we don't even have a smock on. And they go, oh, yeah, we're getting covered in paint. And then the middle data goes, it's me. I got to drop it. Uh, So they all go up, and they merge into one, and they collect, they drop the antimatter, collect the paint, and the machine disappears. And they're like, Data, you okay? He goes, yeah. And they goes, it closed up? He goes, well patched, sir. Closed indicates a permanent condition. I cannot guarantee. Guard, they get a low shot of a card. He goes, patched, well done. Get back here, man. Stitched at time and stitched in time. Uh, then we go back to the ship. Uh, oh, oh, we did not understand how Data knew uh, what uh, which Data was supposed to do it. Uh, then we go back to the Enterprise, and Mannheim is with Beverly. And she actually lets him look at his medical records uh, right in the lab. She goes, you're amazing. You're totally normal again. Not like, uh, you're. I mean, for you, you're normal. And then uh, Picard comes in, Janice and uh, Mannheim reunite uh, at 39.50. Picard has to stand in the background and watch. Uh, he goes, back to normal. And she goes, is he okay? And Beverly goes, for him, you know, maybe some residual ones will come and go. He goes, I feel like it came out a long tunnel again. Because uh, it wasn't like I thought it would be on the other side. Totally different. She goes, tell me about it. He goes, I can't put it into words. Uh, I'm going to have to paint it later. He goes, so vibrant. Uh, and not like anything I've ever been before. I crossed over, you know, because then there was a new kind of life over there. And right as he's about to tell her about it, uh, uh, so I don't know if this gets a call back ever. And he goes, how's my studio, Picard? Fog machine still working? He goes, oh, yeah, still working. Then uh, she goes, are we going back? And then he does this promise. He goes, oh, we learned too much. Uh, he says, uh, you know, I know, he goes, we owe it to everybody to go back and, you know, I got to get back on the other side again. And I've made, you know, those of us have walked this road because he goes, we're going back. She goes, yeah, we're going to go back. He goes, promise it'll be different this time. And uh, Ricard goes, yeah, sure it will be. And so does she. And he goes, maybe the Federation will want to help you uh, uh, if you really, if, if this is a thing, you know, really. He goes, thanks. Oh, this is when he says, this time it's going to be different, baby, you know. This time I'm going to, you know, I'll, you know, I promise. Uh, but she laughs. Uh, she goes, this is the way it is, babe. We're in love. Uh, you said my life would never be dull. And it never has been. Never was ordinary to pay off of the other thing. Then they kiss cheek to cheek. Picard kind of stares. His eyes go down. He kind of doesn't have a frown. Uh, then Troy brings uh, 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 um, Janice to the thing, continue the program, and she goes, go ahead and enter when you're ready. Oh, 4130 is when Picard face, uh, and she goes down the holodeck. She goes, what? How is this possible? Maybe she's never been on a holodeck before. Paris, there's a flower shop there. Bong Harper is still there, is there too. Mater D says, Madame, Captain is waiting for you. Guard's dressed. He sits, there's champagne on the table. She goes, this is so real. And the guy says, you know, whatever, enjoy things. She goes, tell me how you did it. Don't tell me how you did it, Jean-Luc. This is perfect. Uh, It's as if we really were there. And he grabs some champagne, pours two glasses of champagne. He goes, I always wanted to say goodbye properly this time. 
And she kind of stares at him uh, and he hands her a glass. She says, I shall always picture you here. And they clink glasses and they take, each take a sip. They kind of, he takes a gulp. Uh, she goes, you'll always come charging to my rescue. He goes, I'll do my best. And she sighs and she says, goodbye, Jean-Luc, uh, be well. And then, and he goes, and you too. Thank you for Paris, she says. And she puts her drink down and walks off. And the Picard holds his champagne glass in two hands, one around the glass part and one around the bottom. Then she says, well, so much for my dramatic exit, because, you know, i got to walk through this freaking door. And uh, let's see, so, yeah, let's see, 4401. So then we see the Enterprise again, not a, and then a 4401. So this is definitely worth it. If you go to four, oh, 4348, so not 4401, uh, it's really good. Because Picard walks onto the uh, deck of the ship, and or the bridge, and they've already been talking about him. So everybody's like, oh, no. Uh, you could see everybody's stone-faced. Uh, and he goes, is anything wrong? And they go, no, 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 nothing at all, sir. They go, goes for Serona 8. We got to get our shore leave in. He fixes his shirt, sits down. You know, everybody's sharing looks. He goes, yeah, get over there. Warp 5, engage. Oh, I forgot. Picard also pointed her off when he said goodbye to her. And then there's this, this nice little button at the end. I don't know if that's what you call it, but uh, after he says engage, Riker says, what's the name of that club there, man? I love that club. But the blue stuff. Uh, and Deanna says, it's crossed from Zanzaman's Dance Palace. And Picard goes, uh, Blue Parrot Cafe. Goes, we're going to hit it up. And Deanna, you're buying. And then everyone's happy at the end. They say, oh, we got our captain back. Uh, and they head off into space. And that's the end of the episode. Good night.